Open your Bibles with me. Book of Acts, so right there, the front, chapter 8. Luke and John, Book of Acts, chapter 8. And I want to read the passage, and then I'm not going to come back to it till I'm almost done, which will be a little bit interesting this morning. But we're going to be talking about baptism. So I want to read this to you out of Acts. There in verse 26, it says, An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and went. And there was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, and high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. The spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. When Philip ran to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe this generation? For his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about? Himself or someone else? Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with this scripture. And as they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? So he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Let's pray over the word as we receive it today. Father, thank you uh, that your word is alive, and it's active, and it's sharper uh, than any two-edged sword. And as we approach it today, I thank you that you open our eyes to the wonders of it, that you illuminate truth for us today. Lord, and you take my remarks, as, as simple and as basic as they may be, and you use them to impact our hearts today. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, very special day. We had to have a baptizing. Um, and so I wanted to teach a little bit on that. You know, we, we've been jumping off of the scripture in 2 Timothy 4, where Paul was writing to Timothy. Paul's at the end of his life. And he said, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time for my departure is close. But I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith and there's reserved for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give me on that day. And not to me only, but to all those who have loved his appearing. He's saying my death is close but I've finished what I'm supposed to do and there is reserved for me a crown of righteousness or essentially a reward. But he's saying, but not just for me, but for all those who have loved his appearing, the appearing of the Lord Jesus. And we said he's talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Amen. Those who have loved his, his coming, his return, his second advent here to the earth. But how can you love his return if you don't love him and if you love him, don't you love every time that he shows up? And we've talked about some of these times in our life, uh, these different appearances of Jesus or Jesus sightings, because anything that points to him will call people to him. Amen. Anything that points to him where he is made manifest that draws people to 
him. He said, well, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. And baptism is one of those appearances. It's one of those Jesus sightings. The water isn't magic. It's just Camden water. It's not magic. <laughs> but it does have a message. There is a message in it. Just when we talked about communion, when you take the bread and you take the cup, there's a message there that you're proclaiming the dying of the Lord Jesus until he returns. And baptism is having proclaimed that death or because of that death of Jesus on the cross that we proclaim because of that, whosoever would come, whosoever would answer his call and come to him, those who feel the weight of sin on their life, those that feel the weight of sin and death on them, we know what that feels like, right? You, you, you all kind of remember the first time you realized, oh, okay, People die. I could die. I am probably at some point going to die. And there's a weight that lands on you from that, right? Because we don't have an answer for it. We know that it's an inevitability, and yet we don't have an answer for it. And we've all felt that weight. We felt the weight of realizing that there is a God, there's a God in heaven that we actually want to be with. We want to be at home with him. We understand that our right home is to be with him. And then we also understand that he's holy and that we're anything but. And so we are incapable of accessing his presence. And that weighs on us as well. And we feel that. We feel that in life. We've all felt that. But because of the atoning work of Jesus Christ, we're able to be united with him in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the message in the water, that he died so that I can have new life. When we talked about baptism a few weeks ago, we read in Romans 6 where Paul wrote that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus are baptized into his Death, And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too will also walk in newness of life. He said when a person dies, they're freed from sin. When, when you die, any debts that you owe, they can't collect from you. They may still collect from what's left, but they can't collect from you because you died. They're freed from sin. And our union from Christ opens to us that freedom from sin and death, that weight that we felt on us into new life with him, which starts now and lasts forever. When we get in the water, which for them, water, again, they didn't have, you know, swimming pools. They didn't go play around in the water like we do, like we did Wednesday night. Kids had a lot of fun. Water to them represented chaos. It was something that would overwhelm them and, and, and then death, right? Because they didn't have all these flotation devices that we have now, all this safety, that it was an intimidating thing. And so when they got into the water, it was with that in mind. They, they were afraid for the most part of the water because they understood what it could do to them. Just like we're afraid of death. The Bible says that he came to deliver us from the fear of death. The reason we're afraid is because, again, we know we're insufficient. If you trust in the sufficiency of something, you're not afraid. 
If you're hanging from the ceiling from a rope that's that big around and from uh, th that's hooked on a loop up there with bolts that are that big, you're not going to be very concerned about it coming loose. But if we hang you from a shoestring up here, you're probably going to think I might fall. Right. Why? Because you see the insufficiency in what's holding you up. When you see insufficiency in what's supposed to be supporting you, the result is fear of, oh my gosh, this could make me fall. But they would get in the water. We get in the water knowing that that fear has lodged itself on the inside of us. They would get in there knowing that the fear of that water had lodged itself in them. And then they would surrender to him. When, I, when we baptize today, our folks that are getting baptized, they're going to surrender to me to put them in that water. We surrender ourselves to him in the thing that we were most afraid of, which is the likeness of laying back in that grave, right? It shows how he went down to the heart of what we're most afraid of, which is death. You know, we would, I know people say, well, you know, studies say that people are more afraid of public speaking than they are of death. I don't believe that. I believe people are afraid of public speaking. You know, that can be an intimidating thing to do. But if you gave them a choice, they're going to talk in public. Let's be honest. Okay. That's what we are afraid of. And Christ for us went all the way down to the very bottom of what it is that we're most afraid of. And then he came back from it to prove that he was victorious over it. So we surrender to him. We who were against him, we were born at enmity with him. We were his enemies because of our sin. And he died for me who was against him so that by faith, according to that grace that he poured out, I can be united with him in that death, which frees me from the fear of it. Because I remember, wait, no, 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 no. Christ died for me so that I may live a new life in him because he didn't stay in the grave. I don't stay in the water. And the folks that are getting baptized, they are really glad for that part that they're going to come up out of that water. And just as he rose, we rise to walk in newness of life. And this this is the message calling people to come to Jesus, to believe on him, to follow him all of their days in that new life. That's the message of baptism. That's the message of the water. And that's what we're going to celebrate over today. So let's get back to our text. I told you I would come back to it here in Acts 8 and 26. So what's happened? Remember, we read in the book of Luke, Jesus ministry, death, burial, resurrection, and then his ascension to heaven. He returned to heaven and then he gave directions to those who had been following. He said, go to Jerusalem. Power will come upon you so that you will be my witnesses here, here and everywhere. And go and tell everyone what I've told you. Make disciples and baptize them. Amen. And they did. They went and did that. The Holy Spirit lit the fire of the church and they began to go out and do the work of the ministry that Jesus had given to them. And one of the ones that was doing that was Philip. It says the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip and said, get up and go down to this road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. The spirit will lead us. The spirit was leading Philip. The angel of the Lord spoke to him. Go here. Do this 
And it said, as he was going, there was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, a high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. And he had come to worship in Jerusalem. He was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading from the prophet Isaiah aloud. So you've got this man who wasn't from the nation of Israel, but had come to worship the God of Israel. And it says he was reading from Isaiah, which means he, again, he was a big time official in the court of the queen of the Ethiopians. It's a lot of money, a lot of power there. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had the, the scripture there in front of him, right? They didn't have, you didn't just get to walk around with it like we do. Aren't you thankful that we have it like we do? But he had riches, he had power, he had authority, and yet he was still lacking. He was still seeking something that he didn't even quite understand. And then in verse 29, the spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. They're on the road. He's like, go and join that chariot. And when you hear that join, it sounds like, hey, hey, go, you know, walk along with them. But that word there for join is the same word they use for glue. Go and stick to that chariot. Join yourself. They, they couldn't weld things, but if they could have, it would have been weld yourself to that chariot. And interesting that God will stick you to people. He'll put people in your life that just stick to you. He said, go and join that chariot. And when he did, he obeyed. He heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah and he said, do you, do you understand what it is that you're reading? Do you know what you're reading? And the man said, how can I unless someone guides me? How can I unless somebody tells me and scripture tells us that? How can they know unless they're told? How can they be told unless somebody declares it? Unless they hear, how can they know? And we know what it's like before the Spirit opens our eyes to the truth of Scripture. You can read in it and come away going all different kinds of ways, right? But he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And it says he was reading from this passage. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before it shears, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation for his life is taken from the earth. And we know this was speaking years and years before Jesus, prophetically about Jesus. And then the man said to Philip, he said, who is the prophet Isaiah speaking about? Is he speaking about himself or is he talking about somebody else? And Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus beginning with that scripture. He said, you're interested. And guess what? I've got really, really good news for you because I know exactly who this is talking about. And it says he started there and he told him the good news of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 36, they're, they're traveling down the road a little bit farther. And the man said, look, there's some water. What would keep me from being baptized or why shouldn't I be baptized? What would restrain me from being baptized? Which first of all, how did he, what, what did he know about baptism? I'm assuming Philip taught him a little bit about it because Jesus had told them to baptize. One of the reasons we do it, he told us to. He said, what would keep me from being baptized? You know, because we, we can develop all kinds of restrictions in religion. 
What would keep me from coming to Jesus? What would keep me from being baptized? What, what would restrain me? Because this man probably would have been, he said it came to Jerusalem to worship. He probably would have been kept out of the temple for multiple reasons. He would have been restricted and restrained. He said, what would keep me from being baptized? Why shouldn't I be baptized? What a good attitude for us to have. Instead of getting in an argument of, do I have to be? Do I have to be baptized? And we've talked about that before. Our answer is, well, no, you don't have to be. But why, would, why wouldn't you want to be? Why shouldn't you be? And then look at verse 37. Everybody found verse 37? You got it? Who doesn't have verse 37? you, right? Some of y'all just aren't looking. You're just waiting for me to tell you. It's not in there. 36? 38? No, 37. So that may be a good one for the question box. Why don't I have Acts 8, 37 in my Bible? Some of you will have it in there. Some of you won't. Write it down. Put it in there. Let's talk about it. I don't have time today. I don't have time today. But the, the bottom line is everything's okay. Everything's okay. But what verse 37 says is Philip said to him, if you believe with all your heart, you may be baptized. And the man answered, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. And in verse 38, it says they both went down into the water and he baptized him. Amen. That's what we're going to, and I love it that he just said, there's some water over there. I don't even know what it was. I don't know if he's in a ditch. I don't know if it's a little pond. I don't know what, but he was like, there's water over there that we can get in. Can I be baptized? And Philip got in the water with him and baptized him. So you see, when the good news of Jesus goes forward, when we're making that calling for people to come to Jesus, the Spirit will work on their hearts, just like it did when Peter was preaching in Acts 2, and they interrupted his sermon to just say, hey, what, what must we do? We, we hear, you have, what you have said has pierced our hearts. What must we do? And then this man said, Jesus said, what? Jesus said, where's the water? I want to be baptized. I want, to, I, I want this as a part of my life. I want to proclaim my union with Christ. You have shared this good news with me. I want to seal it with that today. Again, not do I have to, but what's stopping me? And that's what you'll see when they're in the water today. What that is, is a call to Jesus. It's calling people to Jesus to hear the good news, to have their hearts pierced by who they are, and then to answer that, who Jesus is. And then our, our, our question becomes, where's the water? Where is it? You can almost let it preach for itself, and we're going to let it do that here in just a minute, because I'm almost done. I told you, a little bit shorter. Baptism is a ceremony that exhibits our union with Christ. Our union with him in his death that he died for us, in his burial when he was laid into the grave and in his resurrection. And we love, we are those 
who love His appearing, the ones Paul talked about, those who love when Jesus shows up. Baptism is a time where He shows up. It's truth you can touch, that you can put your eyes on. It's a big appearing. And the message of the water calls us, calls others to Jesus. Because it testifies that I was a sinner. I was far from God. I was afraid of death because I had no answer for it. I knew it was coming for me and I had no answer for it. Even if you'd never heard about God, there's a weight of God on your life. And that in that state, while I was a sinner, Romans tells me in chapter 5 that Christ died for me. When I was without strength, Christ died for me. When I was dead in my sins and trespasses, Christ died for me so that I could live with him. I could have that place of rest, that home that my heart desires. He's the right satisfaction of all of your desires. And you would say all of them? Yes, of all of your desires, the right satisfaction is found in Jesus Christ. And my heart longs to be with him, at home with him. And not only is he my home, he's also my way to get there. I've been united with him in death. That old person that I used to be has died. They've gone down into the grave down with their history, with all the things that they did, with all the things that they would yet do that would be dishonoring to God. We went down into the grave. I've been buried with him in baptism. And just as he was raised from the dead by the power of God to the glory of the Father, so I'm raised up to walk in newness of life. Does that mean that I'm perfect when I come up out of the water? No. But it means that the one who is perfect has given me his name to walk with. Has given me that name that's above every name has given me my answer for when I face my final day. He's my answer my every day. He's my answer in my final day. We shared that not, not long ago. When we get there, when we get to the end of our life, if we're asked, which we won't, I don't think we will be, if we're asked, what, why, why do you get to be here? Why do you get to enter into the presence of Almighty God? What's your answer? It can't be anything that you've done because you've done a lot of other things too. It can't be anything that you have done. Even I believed, I had faith, I did, I, I, I. It can't be any of that. Your answer can only be because he. Because he died for me. Because he united me in his death and burial and resurrection. Because he gave me new life. Because he said that I could come. He is our answer. He's our hope in life and in death. Christ alone. Christ and Him crucified. Jesus Christ, the Son of God who died for our sins and rose from the dead to prove that His sacrifice was sufficient so that whosoever would believe on Him wouldn't perish. Why? Because He's given them the answer. He's given them that newness of life. Amen? Life everlasting that starts now. Again, am I perfect now? No, but I'm not what I used to be. I'm not yet what I'm going to be, but I'm not yet what I used to be. 
Amen. So that is the testimony of the water today. That's the message. You, you, you may not be getting in the water today, but it's going to minister to your heart. It's going to preach to you that if, if you have gotten in there, if you have believed on Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, it's a reminder for you. Wait, wait, wait. I, I've been united with him in his death, in his burial. And in, if I have been united with him in those things, he didn't stay there. So I've been united with him in his resurrection so that I can walk in a new life. Amen. Amen. I'm going to close us in prayer. I'm going to have Andrew come so we can uh, sing together. And then what I'd like to do, it's going to take just a minute for me and the folks getting baptized for everybody to get ready where they're supposed to be. If you've got kids back in the back, when we get done in here singing, you just walk down the hallway and get them. And then we'll dismiss out these front doors and then right around this side of the building. Again, I've got us a little bit of shade over here because it's warming up out there. So I understand some of you may have to leave, but I would encourage everyone to stay and celebrate this with us together. Amen. And if you'll come, if everyone will stand with me, I want to pray over this, over what's about to happen, over what has been uh, shared today and just give us a, a moment there for God to seal it in our hearts. Uh, and then so we can celebrate with these special folks today. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that when we were without sin, when we were without hope, without strength, Christ, who was without sin, died for the ungodly. God, let us never forget that he didn't die for saints or perfect people. He died for those that were without hope, without strength, and full of sin, at enmity with him, enemies of the king. And you gave your life so that we could be united with you in that death, so you could be our answer in life and in death your burial and your resurrection, that you're our hope, not just today, but every day. And even on our last day, you are our answer and that we can walk in that newness of life with you. As you begin to close those gaps in our life, the gaps of unrighteousness, unholiness, the things about us that are far from you, I thank you that you're bringing us closer and sanctifying us until we see that day of perfection when we rest with you forever. And if you're here today and sin and death have been weighing heavy on you, have been pushing you down, crushing you under the weight of them because you don't have an answer, whosoever believes on Jesus Christ, that he is the son of God, that he died for your sins, not for his, but for yours. And he rose from the dead. You believe that God rose him from that grave. Then you have your answer. We believe in our heart and we say it with our mouth. Jesus is Lord. And we are united with him in that moment. We don't get in the water to finish it up. We don't get in the water to, to, to finalize the deal. It's already done. And the water just shows us what happened on the inside to our conscience. So if you're feeling that weight today, don't delay. Don't wait. Call on him because he is your hope. He is your answer. And again, he will walk with you the rest of 
your days and give you a new family to walk with as well. So if that's you, don't leave this place without those things. Jesus is God's son and he came for me. He died for me and he was raised and I can be united with him if I just believe. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the hope we have in Christ. Our hope in life and in death is Christ alone. Lord, and as we celebrate with these souls that are getting in the water today, I thank you that we'll see the message of it. We'll see what you accomplished in our lives as we follow you. and We'll be encouraged and built up by it. Lord, we pray for those that are out from among us today. We've got some traveling. Keep them safe. Bring them safely back to us. Lord, if there's any that are out weak in their body with illness or sickness, I thank you that you strengthen them and raise them up. Lord, for those that are out today because they're, they're working, I pray that they'll do so as if they're doing it to you. And I thank you that you strengthen them and keep them even though they're not able to be here with us today. You're able to be with them wherever they are. And as we go through this week, whatever it may hold, Lord, we know that you are right there with us, that you give us strength and peace, wisdom and favor. Protect your people. Go before us and you guard behind us. I thank you that you are good and you're big enough to hold us. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.